this is going to be random. Okay. And I'm not even going to bother trying to explain all the segues that got me to there. Okay. Well, I will for you. Okay. So you said Eminem earlier, randomly. Randomly, yes. And I, there's a guy that I used to work with, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a an Eminem song that somebody else that I work with made me listen to, where Eminem screams, "I'm coming," in like a super annoying voice. Okay. And it sounds like this dude who has the worst voice in the world. That's not the whole story. Okay, good, because that's not a very good story. So through a series of events, I we ended up. I ended up on the phone with 911 because we thought someone was having a heart attack. Uh, uh, okay. So somebody's having a heart, heart attack, and I yelled at this kid, hey, you, run and get aspirin because I'm on the phone with 911. They think this person's having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's good. Okay. That's, that's smart. So I'm taking charge. I'm doing these thing, this, right. right? So this kid runs runs back he's booking it mm-hmm. and he comes back with a two-pack of tylenol <laughs> just yelling at him what did i tell you i told you to get aspirin go back don't <laughs> just <go. laughs> and then she died because he got the wrong thing mm. well, that happens that's not true but it's definitely <laughs> true that I sent him to go get aspirin and he came back with Tylenol and I had to resend him out. So I had to tell the 911 emergency dispatch, like, never mind, he brought Tylenol. I had to send him back. <laughs> so that's that's one thing. You're like, oh, I have a headache. Do you have any aspirin? And then they're like, oh, yes. all I have is Tylenol. Yes. But this is a place of business that has all that stuff. Yes. So you specifically asked for a thing, and he brought back a totally <laughs> a different substitute. thing. Um, when uh, we went to Las Vegas years ago, not mm-hmm. you and I, me, yeah, I went to Las Vegas. If I were to, all right, so you are in a business, you're you're in a restaurant, okay, and I, I say, can imagine that I say you're, you're my waiter, okay, and I say I would like. A Coca-Cola, please. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that, what would you substitute it for? Uh, Pepsi. Okay. Or RC some other cola. Co- something along those lines. I maybe, mean, I right? I'm I cannot imagine I work in a place that serves <laughs> RC Cola. <laughs> anyway. I have fucking standards. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, if you ask for Mountain Dew, you don't have Mountain Dew. What are you going to offer? Mellow Yellow. Okay. So maybe a Sprite or Sierra Mist. So there's parallels, right? Yes. That. I think I thought were universal. You would think. Like three times when we were there, we would be like, uh, hey, can I get a Sprite? And they're like, oh, we don't have that. We have root beer. Do you want a root beer? <laughs> or like, can I can I have a Coke? And they're like, ah, we don't have Coke products. Can I get you a Sprite? Like, just, there. it was the most bizarre thing at multiple places that there were no parallels that existed. I mean, Sprite is a Coke product. So right off the bat, he was lying to you. I, don't quote me on those. <laughs> don't quote me on that exact part of it. The other thing that we did was... As a fat guy, I thought you would know these we, things. We went to... Uh, uh, again, not you and I. I went to Canada. Okay. And we realized right at the end of our trip, we'd stiffed like every waitress the whole plot time. <laughs> Wait, how did, how did this realization occur? Because the on the receipts, they were automatically adding gratuity. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, that's... The Canadian thing, they automatically add it, and it's done. 
Sure. They don't. There's an extra line of tax. Like, called gratuity? I don't know. I don't think it was called gratuity, but we were just seeing a second line. So you saw your nice. tax, and then you saw another percentage, mm-hmm. which we never stopped to do the percentage, but it was just immediately, that's your sales tax, but it's a, it was a restaurant tax or something. But it yeah. wasn't until we were at the end of our trip that we realized this is why they hate Americans. <laughs> nice. You realize so. you live in a state with a restaurant tax, right? No. Yeah. This has, there hasn't always been a restaurant tax. As long as I can remember, there has been. Mm. Okay. Well, but yeah. I, I got nothing for you. That's, <laughs> that's what happened. It's so, just—it's usually not. I don't know itemized. if you're trying to deflate my story right now or what. I mean, uh, generally that's my, that's my go-to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a response. <laughs> How about fuck you? <laughs> That, My brain has a way of of I, calling you out. I did so. that yesterday to you. you. You, I sent you a text, uh, and I said, "Hey, park on <laughs> on this side of the drive." Mm-hmm. And you replied and said, "I always do," which I meant to be like, "Oh, I always do." Wink, you know. I read, "Go fuck yourself." <laughs> <laughs> And I even replied to you and I said, just so you know, I don't think you meant it this way, but I just read <laughs> giant fuck you is the response that I just got. So to me, when you communicate via text, right, how you perceive other people in text mm-hmm. says more about you than them. There's probably some if, truth if, to that. If you are the kind of person that like, oh, people are generally good and not out to get me. Then everything. Are you turning this into me saying people are out to get me? I th- <laughs> I just think you your default is people are assholes. <laughs> oh, that's probably true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so if your default is people are generally good, then it's like okay, whatever. And know- then maybe you miss the asshole comment, but that's fine. But if you're just like people are generally assholes, then everything just sounds like a giant fuck you. Because are you, you telling can't me to go fuck myself right text. now? Are you telling me to go fuck myself right now? I, I believe so. Okay, yeah. good. Just we're on the same yeah. page with that. I don't know how that wasn't clear. Okay. Um, we watched House of a Thousand Corpses. And The Devil's Rejects. And The Devil's Rejects, uh, which I was really hoping you didn't put together early, or ahead of time that they were. It was a sequel. I it, knew the, it the, like there was did. a character in both. I didn't realize it was a direct sequel. Yeah. So we'll start off, as always, with the first one, House mm-hmm. of a Thousand Corpses, Justin. Yes. Overall, what'd you think? Uh, yeah. That's that's <laughs> that's my informed that's, opinion. That's the worst <laughs> podcast critique ever that you can give. Yep. Like, hey, did you guys listen to the new remake me episode? He said, eh. <laughs> like, to be fair, I added a uh, before it, <laughs> so. so there's nuance, you know, which is what I think I bring to the table. Okay. <laughs> um, I liked I liked the characters. I thought they were kind of interesting, but like this. There wasn't really much of a story, I didn't feel like. It was just a vehicle for the characters. I think even more so... So, I'm a, I'm a fan of, of House of a Thousand Corpses, okay. but I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I think it, the it's arguably a 90-minute music video. Sure. Uh, it is. I think it. what I watch, especially upon this viewing as I'm watching it, it's like Rob Zombie, who's been a horror guy for life like mm-hmm. i feel like when he's making this he's like this might be the only chance that i get to do this so i'm going to do everything that i could possibly want to do in a movie yeah in one movie i want some zombie-ish type things i want a slasher i want 
some monsters. I need a big witch type burning scene. I, I and he just wanted to do everything he possibly could and right. get it out of his system. And that's what I think House of a Thousand Corpses is. I I wouldn't disagree. Yeah. Um I I will say that I really I enjoyed the beginning and the end. I just felt it dragged in the middle um with the characters like the the characters were interesting but they weren't like they weren't doing anything interesting. It was oh look I killed this other person. So I think I disagree. Like I think the things that are in the scenes that I love is like grandpa doing his stand up yeah. type routine like I, I think feel that's like awesome. I feel like the that like when when they beat up the car mm-hmm. and kind of take them hostage mm-hmm. is where I think to me the fun like not the fun I don't know no, no that's no. where like the thing that I was I was really enjoying it up to that point and then I feel like after that it was kind of a slog okay um I don't know yeah when the interesting characters were being interesting. It was fun, and then they were like, oh, wait, we need to put some murder in here. Um, and I feel like it got less interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Pretty much whenever uh, the clown wasn't on the screen, I was, <laughs> I definitely missed him. <laughs> That's, um, so I, it's funny. Like I kind of have uh, a, a long history with this movie. Mm-hmm. So um, I, it wasn't on my radar at all. I, w- I should have... Uh, research this more i went into best buy the you day you didn't it, research <laughs> that is shock, so shocking shocking so i went into best buy the day it was released mm-hmm. it wasn't on my radar and i went in to get something else and so i talked to somebody that worked there uh and I, or he started talking to me whatever i found myself talking to the guy at best buy and he's like you know what somebody came in looking for today they came in looking just for this look for the house of a thousand corpses and i was like like in reality, I wanted to be like, I, I don't know what that is at all, but I'll mm-hmm. watch that. That sounds pretty awesome to me. But it I sounds just like everything I'm into. But I just kind of nodded my head and was like, Oh yeah, some Please people leave must, me alone. Some people must be dumb. Shirt. I don't want to talk to you right now. So, a few weeks, months later, what have you? Um, so you did not make the purchase then. Did not make the purchase. Um, I go. Uh, my girlfriend was visiting for the weekend as I'm in college, mm-hmm. now my wife, and we rented that, uh, we rented House of a Thousand Corpses and got a Domino's pizza, and... The original Netflix and chill. The, yes. So we rented House of a Thousand Corpses, and that was like, I look back like on our relationship, mm-hmm. and that was an awesome night. Just, we had so much fun watching the movie. Yeah. That's what this movie, it, it's a fun movie definitely um and that's what it's made to do the the funny part about that is we tried to replicate that the following week we're like that was awesome let's do that again let's get a horror movie (laughs) we'll get pizza and then we went we looked around and we're like all right we're gonna get swamp thing and replicate and like good job and like halfway through swamp thing we were just like is this working for you (laughs) this is not working for me we are not able to get capture this magic twice yeah what I did try to do to capture the magic, though, mm-hmm. when it got to our six-month anniversary, I was like, what could I do that would say, I really like you? So I bought her a used copy of Willard, 
the rat movie starring Crispin Glover mm-hmm. and House of a Thousand Corpses. <laughs> and she still throws at me like, oh, my six month anniversary, you got me two used movies, which were really for you. <laughs> <laughs> She's absolutely right. Yeah. That what we just watched, that physical copy is my wife's six month anniversary <laughs> present. <laughs> That's not a joke. That makes it so much more meaningful for me now. That's fantastic. I feel like I want to like send her a picture of you like holding it. Just like, hey, thanks for letting me play with your six month anniversary present. That's a true story. To be story. fair, that's not the worst anniversary gift story I've heard. So Yeah, I mean she stuck with it. Yeah. Yeah. She got for the now. she got the ultimate prep for now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh we do frequently introduce one another as our first spouse. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's a thing we do. Um, you referenced, you looked at me at one point and said, uh, so Chris Hardwick's head shaved, he's against the wall. Mm-hmm. And you said, was that Chris Hardwick? Yeah. What did you mean by that question? Well, I just knew that he was in the movie and also I'm bad with faces. Okay. So I was pretty sure it was him. I just wanted confirmation. Here's the thing. Yeah. Chris Hardwick is in almost this entire movie. He's Jerry. You watched him for an hour and a half before you asked me that question. Wait, are you serious? Yes. That's why I was so excited when you said it. I was like, he doesn't realize he's been looking at Chris Hardwick the whole time. Wow. That's okay. Jerry. That Chris Hardwick See, is Jerry. All right. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna tell everyone. I'm bad with faces. Like really, super bad with faces. Like. Like he I, stared at it for an hour and a half waiting for, because you had referenced this before, even before we watched this. Because I thought he had a bit part. You said, oh, he has a cameo. And I'm like, oh, he's going to be in for a surprise. <laughs> and then like, he's like the very first, one of the first, he's in the second scene, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, he's, Justin's going to give me a reaction. Like, oh, there he is. There's Chris Hardwick. And you just sat stoically <laughs> through it. And it wasn't until like an hour and a half in where you threw out, was that Chris Hardwick? And I wasn't, cons- I wasn't sure if you meant is that still him because his head is shaved now or is that the tiny minuscule part and i was so happy that you watched it for that long and didn't see put here's together the problem that was that was fat alcoholic chris hardwick yes so he's a bit unrecognizable yes but wow okay so i <laughs> thanks for making me feel like a dumbass <laughs> it makes me so happy um i feel like i cut you off while you were going to talk about faces oh yeah i'd like uh, as as a kid or whatever just like going to the grocery store with my mom and then like oh i'm gonna go down this other aisle and get something and then come back and then she's not in the spot that i left her then i'm just going up and down all the aisles in the grocery store looking for her passing her like seven times and walking towards strange women that aren't my mom getting real close i'm like oh okay that's did you attempt to breastfeed no okay just checking (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i don't think i was a breastfed baby on a further on a later episode, I feel like we need to look and see how long the tests are for like Aspergers or something like that. I'm pretty sure because I have low grade Aspergers. I feel like I feel like I'm completely be, undiagnosed. That would be really to feel do like that, I have it. to do that on mic where you come to the realization. The realization actually happened uh, in uh, watching a movie called Mary and Max. I thought you were going to say House of a Thousand Corpses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it, man. Epiphany. <laughs> There's a movie called Mary and Max. Uh, it's a claymation about uh, a little girl uh, who's pen pals with a, uh, an adult man in New York who has Asperger's, and he has this faith. This uh, he keeps this 
book of faces around his neck and it's like different emotions and he like tries to mimic them in the mirror and stuff and i was like holy shit that's me I thought Not you were going to gonna degree, say but... that, like, you didn't know it was claymation. Like, <laughs> like you watched the whole movie, and then someone said, like, it was a pretty good claymation movie. And you were like, oh, my goodness. I just thought they were funny-looking people. I don't think you know what Asperger's is. <laughs> I, I'm not the one that needs to know. <laughs> That's true. Um, so a funny story re- related related to you referenced Fat Chris Hardwick. Yeah. He... I don't think it ended up in there because I'm trying to think where it would have been, but he came back to do like another shot, like where he was dead or whatever, where his corpse mm-hmm. and Rob Zombie was like, what the hell? I can't put you in this now. You're fatter than you were when you left. You can't <laughs> have a corpse that's been getting fatter. What the hell are you? Uh, I think you just had a line like, oh, the corpse is so old and bloated. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, don't quote me on those exact things, but that's yeah. the basic gist of the story was that he came back and they, they had to have conversations about what they were going to do because he was fatter <laughs> now that he was dead. That's great. It is pretty funny. Um, you have Asperger's. Probably. The, uh, um, so, okay. My first note here, everybody in this movie has really perfect teeth. And not to to jump ahead to Devil's Rejects, but, like, characters that have really perfect teeth in this movie have fucked up teeth in that movie, and it's supposed to be, like, four months later. So, I don't think, like... What's the clown's name? Captain Spaulding. Captain Spaulding. I know that. that They reference that 82 times in the movie. If there's literally commercials that say, yes. like... Shut up. <laughs> It's text. There's literally like flashing signs. There's neon flashing signs that give this character's name. I was staring at the neon sign of the woman rubbing herself. When we did the Virgin Spring, you were throwing out Swedish names. <laughs> yeah. Right and left. Tore and Gere. You don't remember Captain Spaulding. I don't remember Captain Spaulding. <laughs> it's, it's too many letters. Go ahead. There's not enough umlauts in uh, it. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, he has like perfect teeth in this movie. And it's, like, weird and freaky. I realize it's a Hollywood thing. Like, you know, actors have great teeth because that's their faces for a living. Like, their face is their moneymaker. But it was, it's just weird. But they're supposed to be, the, like, these backwater hicks. And then, like, they yell at everyone for being city boys. And they just have, like, perfect teeth. Well, I mean... So I was going to go to one specifically. I mean, the, like, uh, Mother Firefly. Mm-hmm. Is definitely there. It was Karen Black, yeah, and she was replaced in this film. Um, I think when you try to put look at this too much as a sequel, your head's gonna get no. But I'm just talking. Oh, you're okay. So even so, the, everybody has perfect teeth in in House of Thousand Corpses, and then it's like they realize that oh wait, these okay, we can give these people's faces personality. I think it's probably just because I think it was it was Rob Zombie's first movie, correct? Yeah, yeah. I think it's just an oversight. Probably, but just one that for some reason stood out to me. I have Asperger's. I'm sorry. I, I don't think Spaulding's teeth were good in either one. I'm pretty sure. Like I remember staring at his teeth and thinking, "Oh, these. Why does he have like really nice teeth? He should not have really nice teeth. That doesn't fit this character. What I think this character is. Okay. Uh, we might have to go to the video on that because okay. I feel like they were bad in both. Um. I really want to go on the Captain Spaulding's ride. 
yeah, so bad. Cool. Like because it it is like visually the film is incredible. Yeah. Uh, the neons, the hyperactivity, and things like that. I think mm-hmm. it looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're we're gonna dig deeper into zombies filmography as we go through this. Mm-hmm. One of the critiques he gets is that he should try directing other people's writing. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot to be said for that because I think he's got an awesome eye and some of the things that he does are questionable as far as writing and, and things like that. But his eye is fantastic because he totally, especially in Rejects, which I don't want to skip to yet, but he completely is able to pinpoint like that 70s feel and look yeah. uh, and nails it as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I really liked that. There was just a dude pushing the the <laughs> minecart or whatever yeah, on the. Yeah, exactly. It's it was the, perfect. Yes, there's those little nuances that I do think it really is cool yeah. as he goes through. Uh, you were shocked that Rain Wilson was in it. Yeah. Okay. This movie made me realize like Rain Wilson should have been born in like 1957 because he is he just looks the 70s in this movie like 100 percent just totally fits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, the uh, so the they meet Captain Spaulding. They get pointed in the right direction. They go through their uh, introduction to the family. They end up uh, discovering the ulterior motives behind the family, mm-hmm. which ultimately leads to what. If I have a problem with the film. It's, I don't want to say problem, because I think, like I said, you have to watch it as a music video, but uh, the Dr. Satan and the Professor, uh, which they don't reference as the Professor, but his name's the Professor, the guy that spit out the green goo at the end. And oh, okay. I love that, like, he basically did the same thing Super Shredder did. I literally have on my notes, it ends like TMNT, <laughs> Secret of the Ooze. <laughs> Real Super Shredder ending. <laughs> We both had the same reference point, but that's That's exactly what it is. He's just like knocking it around, down around him. I love that we have the same note. Um, Super Shredder, played by Kevin Nash, by the way. I didn't know that. We will we will get to uh, more wrestlers in movies later. Um, So I always feel like when I like a movie, I have way less to say, and we have less to tit tat about it. Right. Um, I just thought like a lot of it. You said that Rob Zombie has a really good eye. And I don't totally disagree, but he does some things like the the color negative stuff and um, some things that just seem kind of random. Like it'll be like he'll have like a section of the movie that is like really stylistic, but he doesn't tie that into the rest of the movie at all. So it just feels like. He just started to do something and then just kind of ran out of steam. Especially with this movie. Yes. Because he's try because my argument would be he's throwing everything at it. Like he wants to try every idea that he has. Right. That's what I feel like's happening. Um we'll talk about it later, but uh his lowest that might be the, his least his most slow build type movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his, it's not over the top at all like this. Even less than Devil's Rejects is called The Lords of Salem. Okay. And uh, pretty divided. A lot of a lot of people are pretty divided on it. But 
there's a scene that I, I'm a big fan of the movie overall, but there's one Spoilers. scene where he randomly goes into like the House of a Thousand Corpses mode almost, where it turns into a music video all of a sudden, hmm. and it's not that film at all. It is a completely subdued and tense and dreading feeling movie that all of a sudden for one scene has visuals that are almost cartoonish and it really bothers me. Yeah. I feel like that was a lot of what this movie was. Um, like I said, I, I really enjoyed everything up into when like the murder plot or whatever starts when they beat up the car that was really entertaining, and then I feel like it wasn't really that entertaining towards the end. Um, but I, you know, I don't think it's a terrible movie. There's part of me that was really yeah. hoping that you just hated it, so we could just argue a little bit more. I. That's a little disappointing. You should. Uh, I've. I have very solid <laughs> opinions on everything. You name a topic, I will know nothing about it, but I will form an opinion <laughs> during our talking about that topic. <laughs> But my Netflix history, everything is like four stars or five stars. Like, if I didn't like something, you're going to get three stars. <laughs> like, uh, you tried. You get three stars. I do. I really feel the more that I learn, the more that I watch, the more commentaries that I hear, the more I see interviews and things like that. Like, I give more and more people credit just for making a freaking movie, man. Yeah. Like, even if it's an abomination, I give them credit for getting it done. Um, I don't I don't have a lot to make fun of the movie for. I think it accomplishes exactly what it set out to do, which was be entertaining for an hour and a half, have some fun kills, create some characters. Yeah. Devil's Rejects. I really enjoyed that. I liked it. Devil's Rejects is one of my favorite films. Cuz it 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 realized, okay, I have all these great characters from this one movie. So, I'm going to immediately kill the only guy who wasn't really interesting in that movie, RJ, and then just make the movie about those characters, but actually tell a story mm -hmm. versus House of a Thousand Corpses, which wasn't much of a story. No. And so, he he's giving, he's giving a story for the audience to be enthralled in, but at the same time, giving scenes for the actors to kind of chew on mm -hmm. he so bill mosley is the guy who plays otis in both films okay and he is pretty openly said he didn't figure out who otis was and how to play him until house of a thousand corpses was over yeah there's one scene in house of a thousand corpses that he says he figured it out and it's something that they came in to shoot in post which is like the black and white gray thing where he's yelling run rabbit run mm -hmm. and it wasn't until that was over so he's said completely like he did one whole movie not knowing who Otis was, and he figured it out when Rejects came out, or when they filmed Rejects. Yeah. And he blows it out of the park, man. It is yeah. a stunning yeah, performance. I felt Otis was a very one-note character. I did not like him. And then when I realized that he was going to be one of the main characters of this movie, I was a little disappointed. Uh, but at the by the end of it, I wasn't. He, he did a really good job. They, uh, you'll see again. I think I referenced this to you when we were watching it. A whole bunch of faces that you're going to see here. Mm -hmm. uh, if you were a horror fan before, you'd be recognizing them and 
noting, oh my goodness, it's that guy and he's playing this now. Right. You're going to be seeing it happen backwards because this is towards the, I'll say the end of their career, but deeper into their career for a lot of these people. Mm-hmm. And you're going to start seeing them show up because the, the I don't even want to call them cameos because they're real. They're not there for a cheese thing. They're there to play the part. Like uh, Cleavon, okay, is Michael Berryman, the guy, uh, Charlie's lackey. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, so he's in a whole bunch of horror films, and he is usually, based on his look, Mm -hmm. as you can imagine, he's playing someone that is aggressive, and he is the antagonist in a lot of things. Right. So Rob Zombie cast him in like the exact opposite thing, where he's simple, Mm -hmm. he's submissive, and he's timid timid and quiet. And uh, I love seeing that kind of stuff that that Zombie does in a lot of his films. Um the music in both films, like obviously Zombie's a musician and he knows it, mm-hmm. but he conveys 90% of what he's trying to with his music cues in both movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I definitely like the music in Devil's Rejects better because, you know, in House of Thousand Corpses, it was mostly. I don't know if it was White Zombie or Rob Zombie, but it was a lot of zombie music. Absolutely. And in this one, it was it was but it period also, music. It also conveyed what it was trying to in the yeah, movie. Yeah, certainly. So, yeah, I think it was effective, but I think... I mean, like, the, the Zombie has always played his career in the macabre. Yes. And he was making a macabre movie, yes. so it works. But the the period piece, the, or the period music, gives it the perfect backdrop for... You know, like this sweet pop song and murder on top of that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's when done well is really effective over that. It's it's the the cognitive dissonance between Mm -hmm. the two. Uh, And and then you put on top of that, like the the washed out green and tan palette that the whole movie has Mm -hmm. that just. It, it looks like the life's been sucked out of it. Like these two look ex- so opposite of one another. You go from the vibrant colors right. that are that are just energy inducing to just having the life sucked out of you when you're watching them walking through the desert and things like that in rejects. Like even the hotel room just mm-hmm. has no life in it at all. Um, and it's just everything is so thought through and meticulous. Um, one thing that I l- love watching this is when you see it the first time or the first couple times, I feel like you're watching, you're seeing where it's th- flowing, but watching it in this time, like I picked up on all the little tiny little jokes that you kind of pass by, like, because you're invested with the characters with what's happening. Right. But there's like at one point, so Diamond Dallas Page gets somebody, she says, Hey, your mom's on the phone. And he says, I need to talk to her. She owes, she owes me fourteen dollars. Yeah. After they had just said that those two were the best two bounty hunters money can buy. Yeah. And she he says his mom owes him fourteen dollars. He needs to talk to her. Yeah. That was fantastic. I loved yeah. it. I go ahead. Speaking of Diamond Dallas Page, he looks he looks weird as a tough guy. You know, because you know I grew up a wrestling fan. I I think you did too. Mm-hmm. And he's always been kind of like the pretty boy. Even when he wasn't the pretty boy, he was the everyman. And seeing him as like a weird, tough biker, it was just, it was weird. Like, oh, that's the guy who teaches me yoga. 
and he's like a tough biker. I think him and Trejo look fantastic. Like they look, they look very much like scumbags and scum, like just in the in the best way possible. Yeah, definitely. Um, but Trejo always pulls that off. Yes, he does. Um, Unfortunately, he's kind of typecast like that, but. Yeah, wait until you see uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween. That is not him. Good. Which is like another example of what I was talking about that he does, which is really cool. Um, another one that I think is is funny that I really spent a lot of time because it really looks like, so when Ken Foray, who is Charlie, okay, uh, E.G. Daly, who's his main prostitute, mm-hmm. by the way, she is the voice of Tommy from Rugrats. Okay. Just a little weird thing. Like she was also the voice of Babe in Babe Two. Okay, didn't know that. We got one for each the, other. The voice of Chucky was the was the pig in Babe One, and the voice of Tommy was the pig in Babe Two. I might have those switched, but there you go. Fun you fact. Right back at you. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he thinks that it's risky trying to have sci-fi fans come right. in to use the services of his prostitutes because like he doesn't he puts... want a bunch of horny robots <laughs> tripping over things <laughs> like he's really skeptical about that they made less than 200 dollars the night before from all of his prostitutes but he still thinks it's risky <laughs> this is a guy that is literally has flashing billboards saying that he has prostitutes and that's what's risky to him yeah like it's hilarious. A little joke I picked up on on House of Thorns and Corpses is uh, when she's in the the phone booth calling her dad. Th- there's a bunch of different like missing person sign, and there's one that says "Lost Dog Head," and it's a picture of a poodle's head. Nice. I just thought that was weird <laughs> and like, oh, like no, probably you know one in ten people pick up on that. Yeah. But I saw it and I laughed. I saw Lost Dog. I think I saw the whole thing, but I was thinking I was missing something else. Right. But if it just says so, Doghead. Um, th- we talked about changes that he made. You were referencing teeth. Mm-hmm. I think he did. He tried for a little bit, but because like Dr. Satan, there's a deleted scene. He actually filmed something with Dr. Satan for Devil's Rejects. Okay. And what he tried to do is he tried to make it more real. So Dr. Satan is laying in a hospital on oxygen and on life support equivalent of, right? Yeah. And Rosario Dawson is his nurse and comes in and he rips out her throat. And it wasn't real enough still, like, because Rejects is super grounded in reality. There's nothing that couldn't really happen right here. Yeah. Um, and he just cut it completely, which I think is the best thing he could have done. Yeah, it's like good he he got rid of it completely, um, and kind of made no apologies for the changes he made. This is just him moving forward, and even the fact something as simple as that it's not House of a Thousand Corpses two. I think he's saying these are two different films, right, in the same universe with the same characters. I mean, that but shows he, maturity as a writer and a director. But he's yeah, he's he's willing to give up what he thinks thought was a good idea at one point mm-hmm. um so the the biggest thing that rejects does that i don't think a lot of films are able to accomplish and let me see if if you agree with this and see if you felt it it's incredible that they are able to switch the antagonist and the protagonist right right in the middle of the movie it's incredible that he's able to pull that off yeah. like 
you, you completely switched teams as you're watching it and you were yeah. invested in this group of three people who were the villains at the beginning. Right, because I remember like in the beginning feeling like because it starts with the police raid on the house and I remember kind of rooting for the family and I was like, oh, that's weird that, you know, I'm rooting for these people that torture and murder people. Mm -hmm. And then the whole hotel part happens and then obviously you switch back they're which, horrible people which the whole hotel thing when you watch it happens because they're bored like they're sitting yeah. there bored so they're just gonna fuck with these people mm -hmm. that's the whole reason that that thing happens which is totally sociopathic yeah like that's the only reason it's there and when you watch it and you're com i don't want to say you're completely on otis's side the whole time but when you put yourself in his wheelhouse like, he's funny throughout the whole movie, man. Like, when he's screwing with people, if yeah. you're on his team and he's saying things like, oh, I think I can still smell your wife on my gun barrel. Like, that's funny. Like, and, and things like that. I really liked his, uh, his, when he, he kills the, it wasn't the roadie, the, the guy that wasn't Roy. Brian Posehn? No, the, Brian Posehn was the roadie. The, with the guy that shot in the neck. Adam Banjo. Okay, Adam Lou Banjo. Temple. Uh he he says fuck you. And he gives a speech about why does everyone say fuck you, you know, all this stuff. And I thought that would, to me, like having watched, you know, the psycholo psychological thrillers and the what little horror that I've seen, it's like, yeah, that's you know, whenever like the victim always says fuck you and yeah otis had heard it enough in his life yeah he didn't understand it like it's going to change anything like that's what you're choosing to do right uh i love when he tells adam banjo that the next thing he says be some better be some brilliant mark twain shit mark twain shit because it's going to get written on your tombstone yeah just those things like that he's just they're having fun like when him and baby are hanging out right they're just completely messing with them and see this is the difference between the two movies because i feel like all that hotel hotel scene stuff that was the entire House of a Thousand Corpses movie, mm -hmm. but here it it works in uh, context. It weighs so heavily on you, like it is hard to watch. Correct, and yeah, and it's just it's the same fun, same kind of fun, better written, but same kind of fun that they were having in House of a Thousand Corpses. But it, the impact because of the context before and after is just way more, and it, it is. It advances the characters. You're learning something new about the characters mm -hmm. instead of them being one-note psychopaths the whole movie. Mm -hmm. It, uh, I think a lot of people that hear Rob Zombie, a Rob Zombie movie, mm -hmm. they're expecting House of a Thousand Corpses the whole time, and that's not what he gives. Like, I would Let me ask you just direct. Did you expect to like Rejects as much as you did? Um, I mean, no. I mean, I don't expect to like any horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> so Sorry, fans. A, it's just a happy accident if it happens to happen. Yeah. I mean, I don't... Okay, this is going to sound like really shitty and snarky, but I like good movies. Uh, regardless of the genre, it's just horror isn't a genre that I've explored because there is so much exploitation mm -hmm. um, horror out there that's you know cheap and and great if you're a fan but if you're just someone wanting to watch a good movie that's not what it is and that's not whatever what it wants to be right 
but not doing the research into horror to find the good ones. You know, I've I've seen like The Exorcist and things like that. Yeah, like some of the staples, but you know, the pussy side of me has made me stay away from your Friday the Thirteenth and your Nightmare on Elm Streets and all those. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just uh, having that. I don't want to say that mindset because I I do have a bit of an open mind, but. Yeah, I don't. I don't expect to like anything on this podcast, and when I do, it's a pleasant surprise. <laughs> well, that's uh, encouraging, maybe, <laughs> or heartbreaking. I don't know which one. Um, yeah, I think that I'm definitely a zombie advocate, and I get annoyed because I don't feel like pe- I feel like people arbitrarily write it off because he's. They look at it like he's a he's a music guy that's trying to shoehorn himself into the other. And I think you just have to watch this film to know that that's not the case. Right. Plus, anybody who's a friend of Weird Al is, is cool in my book. I don't. I feel like Weird Al is cool from things that I've read or heard of him. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's funny. Like, I don't oh, get it. We're, we're going to fight after this podcast. I don't. I've never seen something that I thought was. I've not sought it out because, again, the little bit that I have seen yeah. gave me zero reason to think that I needed to delve any deeper into it. To be fair, I, I, it's. I love Weird Al, but I don't like UHF. I was and just that, that hurts me to admit. I was just getting ready to say I've never seen UHF, and my question was going to be: Is it because I haven't seen his film? But that's obviously not the case. Yeah, I don't know. There's good performances, but it's I don't know. I don't really. Michael Richards, Emo Phillips, they're great in it, but. Cool. Yeah. Um, before we move on to. Next week's stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel obligated to acknowledge. We haven't acknowledged it for a few weeks. People are asking. People are wanting to know what's going on. We are in the works. We are making plans for the Lawnmower Man duel. Oh, oh yeah. So definitely. that's coming still. Don't worry about it. Just because we haven't talked about it doesn't mean we aren't ironing, ironing out details. So I I got that that uh, word document warming up. I, it's it's getting steamy. It's <laughs> So, well, in, in the next couple of weeks, we'll fill you on exactly how it's going to go down and what we're going to do. But hopefully it ends up good and uh, you're going down. Okay. Just like Pierce Brosnan. I was about to make a Job joke. <laughs> that's going to be the only difference is yeah. who's the top and the bottom. Yep, like it's going to be exactly it. the same thing. All right. Next week. First film we have. It, oh, before wow. we do this, we Bye. should probably talk about what kind of the next few weeks are going to entail okay um so you are going to be going to your first horror convention i am so we're going to be going to horror hound in march Mm -hmm. you've never been so what we're going to do is we're going to spend a little bit of time and i'm going to try to prime you for the guests that are going to be there so you know why they're there see if you have any interest in them at all right and that's probably better for them too that i just i know who they are and not just be like, hey, hi, you're a person. <laughs> you're a person. Everybody here is weird. Uh, I should have not told you anything, and then I could have had you like try to talk to random people <laughs> and tell you that there's someone. <laughs> I could probably still do that. Probably. And especially since you don't recognize faces, yeah. I could be like, dude, look, look, look over there. It's Danny Trejo. It's Danny Trejo. And then send oh you God, over. Oh, my God, Mr. Trejo. I loved you in heat. And then this like eight-foot-tall Hispanic man. Uh, that wait, that joke didn't work because Danny Trejo is Hispanic. Damn it! <laughs> Did you just pull from the well like the one? 
I was trying to to say a race that didn't make any sense, and I just named the correct race that Danny Trejo is. Man, did I screw that one up bad? Oh, this eight foot tall Asian dude. Now you it's know what? now it's funny when I re- re- revisit it. We 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 got so far into this episode before we talked about uh, gay sex or racism. <laughs> But we got it. We put it. We got it in the episode. It's great. I, wait a minute. I is that racist that I? I literally, obviously, don't see color. If I didn't even know what Trey Trejo was, you're trying to Colbert your way out of this. <laughs> I don't see color. Uh, so um, we'll be talking again in the next few weeks about exactly what you're, where, what you should uh, brace yourself for, what conventions are going to do. Maybe uh, we'll do just a convention podcast where I tell you what you're in for and we'll make it a special or something. I don't know. I should that would involve planning. I don't know. I shouldn't have said that because now nope. people are going to be expecting yep. it. So don't expect Don't that. say things out loud. That's not going to happen. That's time for good. All right. So anyway, next, next week. you yelled episode 15. Next week. <laughs> I didn't yell. I signaled episode 15. And thus it was and written I... in stone. Uh, okay. Based on true events, the unrated version of Wolf Creek. Uh, I think the other thing we I think that we've I've heard a couple of mumblings about uh, uh-huh. from folks on the interwebs is we need to make sure that we're making a point to say clearly exactly what films people are watching because you definitely say it every time, right. but I know that people have to backtrack sometimes. So the first film is Wolf Creek. Continue. I mean, if if they can't realize my mumblings, I can just look at it in the show notes. Anyway. Uh, Wolf Creek, there is a... I just heard go fuck yourself again. Yep. <laughs> okay, this is my faceless thing. I want to say that this is a lady, but it could be an androgynous man, like a Paul Rudd-looking man. And not that he's androgynous, but... I just, is Paul this Rudd is not, androgynous? This, this, look, this kind of looks like female Paul Rudd, right? Like androgynous Paul Rudd? I don't see any... I could see Hillary Swank, which would prove your androgynous point. Yeah. But I don't see Paul Rudd. That looks a little bit like Paul Rudd, it, but like in lady form. Did you know Paul Rudd is in a Halloween movie? Uh, like stars in a Halloween movie. No, I knew Johnny Depp was in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Mm-hmm. That was a, I think it was his first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she's got her hands up. She does not look like she's excited about what's going to happen. She's very dirty. What do you expect to see in this movie? What is going to happen in this movie, Justin? Uh, I assume. There's going to be a small river, or maybe a creek, and there's going to be the there's going to be some there's wolves, and they're going to be in the creek. There's That's what the movie is. Somebody, I kidding. saw Reservoir Dogs. It's the same movie. Reservoir Dogs. There's dogs in the reservoir. This has wolves in the creek. Uh, there's probably someone's going to get killed by a small river. <laughs> <laughs> That's my guess. <laughs> I don't know whether I'm happy that you're making <laughs> yourself look so dumb, or whether you're really that dumb that you think this was gonna happen. There's nothing on this cover that's <laughs> we haven't we haven't really gone into like monster movies or something. I'm trying to get you to give me a situation in which you think could occur it's, here. It's a woman looking terrified. Yes. I don't know. She's gonna die. <laughs> Or she's going to be the one that lives. It's going to be one of those two things. I'm so angry right now. (laughs) All right. The second movie we're going to (laughs) watch. Wolf Creek 2. Wolf Wolf 
Creek Two. Also inspired Wolf by Creek Two. Also inspired by true events, apparently. One of the best horror villains in decades. Uh, there's like a rancher guy, but he somehow looks evil. Like he's a he's a farmer, but he's not happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> like he looks, he looks like Hillary Clinton just won the election, and he's pissed. Like I th- that's I this thought, guy. I thought your Aspergers was coming back because so far you've said that you thought that woman looked like Paul Rudd, and, I, and then you said the sentence, "He looks like Hillary Clinton," and I really <laughs> thought that you were going to try to make the argument. His hat's down; you can't see his face. <laughs> I really thought you were saying this man was stubble and and, and very obviously a man's frame looks like Hillary Clinton, and I was going to officially start giving you pills to cure your Aspergers. No, he just looks like all our neighbors. He's wearing flannel. He's got a gun and a pickup truck and a knife. Oh, but he's wearing a watch though. That's nice. He does so he's 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 kind of classy. So what's going to happen in this movie, Justin? And you have to use do not reference any form of water or animal. Well, he looks like he's in the desert. So I'm guessing there's not going to be a lot of water in this one. Uh, I'm there. It's. Maybe people get murdered in this pickup truck here, uh, or maybe he murders people and then puts them in the pickup truck and takes their bodies to another place. I, give me better covers. I got I nothing. <laughs> it's a dude and a pickup truck and a gun some, and a knife. Have some fun with it. Oh my goodness, this is a disaster. I took improv classes. I didn't utilize some of it here, fella. <laughs> so far, you've said that she he looks like Hillary Clinton. That's not improv. That's looks, as, that's asinine. He looks like Hillary Clinton won the election. And he's pissed. That's that's okay material. That's not like that's not um, that's not going to my tight five. But I don't think that was terrible. <laughs> didn't you reference you do you're working on five? I'm always working on my tight five. I've been working on my tight five for ten years. Doesn't mean I'm gonna have the balls to get on stage. I think we might have just changed our lawnmower man bet. Nope. But we may have changed our 100th episode. Oh. Mm. 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 All right. We'll see you in 91 episodes, I guess. (laughs) Tie five.